Terry Hoover, ladies and gentlemen, she's been to hell and back, and that road is pretty familiar by now. She's lost a dad and a husband. She's been hurt by people who said they would help. She's been in and out of rehab for every drug you could name. I had severed ties with almost everybody. I was just so crazy. I was drinking intravenous drugs. Oh, wow. Um, anything I get my hands on. Now she's a single mom running a hair salon and daydreaming about a man who recently appeared in her life out of nowhere. A man who adopted Terry and her little boy Jake and cared for them like no one had. A few months and he finally called and said, you know, I, I, I'm in love with you and I think we can make this work. And one day this man walks into the hair salon and changes Terry's life forever. Tom showed up at my hair salon one afternoon Aww. with Preacher. Oh, wow. <laughs> and with a dress and a suitcase and um, everything you would need for a wedding. This episode of Kava is all about a new chapter in Terry's life. A chapter defined by a man named Tom Hoover. And so my staff at the time were our attendants and the preacher and Jake. Oh. And I got married in the middle of my hair salon. <laughs> oh. After doing hair. Jake loved Tom, and Tom treated him like his own, mm. and um, he was very um, normal, which was really weird for me, and I was, it it was unusual, and it was weird for me. Right. It's like, you're so normal. Are you not going to drink beer before we go to here? Are you not going to yeah. get in a fist fight at a... At a family gathering. I mean, I came from a crazy family, and it, was, it wow, all those things didn't happen every time we went. But when I was growing up, I mean, it was not unusual. I mean, I just couldn't even, I couldn't get him, to push him to be ugly. I was like, "What's wow. wrong with you?" So why was he not ugly? I, I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, it's like I want more of that. For Terry, it was kind of like learning how to walk again. Everyone in her life since childhood had been explosive and unpredictable. Even the father of her child, Jake, had played with her heart time and time again. But now Tom was gentle, patient, and kind, kind of like still waters. And they needed those. Nothing had prepared them for what happened next. Enter stage left, Gage Hoover. That was the biggest shocker eye-opener, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Um, pregnancy was great. Yeah. Everything was fine. No complications. Go in. It's Tom's first baby. Right. And we go in, and we're very excited. And yes. Tom's really excited. He's already got all these dreams that Gage is going to be a baseball player yes. and all these things. Yes. And we go in, and Gage is born, and they take him away, and they didn't bring him back. And we were like, what's going on? You know, and it just kept getting later and later, and we still haven't seen our baby. And so finally, um, the uh, OB comes in, and she says, I need to talk to y'all. Um, we think your baby has Down syndrome. In that moment, the thrill and joy of having their first baby together crashed headlong into those two words, Down syndrome. 
And I'm like, what is Down syndrome? Because, <laughs> like, oh, wow. I didn't even really know. I had never even seen anybody with Down syndrome except on TV that um, Life right. Goes On or whatever. Right. So I'm like, what? That can't be. Right. And um, so I can remember because it was just, it was pouring rain and he had uh, holes in his heart. He had, they could tell something was going on with his heart. They didn't know what at that point. Uh, he had born, born with no anal opening and um, just, those were like the big yeah. ones. And so I'm like, how do you know? How can you just look at him and tell? And so I had all these, sh- you know, I was just shocked. Right. And Not to mention I just had a baby. And um, so after everybody leaves and it's quiet and it's pouring rain and um, Tom's sitting on the little settee and I'm in the bed and I'm crying and Tom said, I said, oh, my God, we're going to have a, a kid at home for the rest of our life. And Tom said, I know, isn't that great? I was like, <laughs> what? I mean, that tells oh. you how opposite we have always been. That I could only yeah. see the glass half full. Yeah. And he always sees it. I mean, I can only see it half empty. And yeah. he can only see it half full. Yeah. And that's always been the story of our relationship. Wow. According to the National Down Syndrome Society, in every cell in the human body, there's a nucleus where genetic material is stored in genes. Genes carry the codes responsible for all of our inherited traits and are grouped along rod-like structures called chromosomes. Typically, the nucleus of each cell contains 23 pairs of chromosomes, half of which are inherited from each parent. Down syndrome occurs when an individual has a full or partial extra copy of chromosome 21. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, approximately one in every 700 babies in the United States is born with Down syndrome, making Down syndrome the most common chromosomal condition. About 6,000 babies with Down syndrome are born in the United States each year. And on this particular year, a precious Gage Hoover was one of them. It was a lot to take in, but Gage wasted no time in showing Tom and Terry why he'd entered their life. Oh, my gosh. Gage Hoover. Gage Hoover is probably the first person that taught us unconditional love. Yeah. I mean, I can say Jake taught me unconditional love. Mm-hmm. Jake taught me how to love. Like, when you have right. that first baby right. and your man is nowhere near yeah. and it's just you and him, you, you learn true love. But when Gage came along, it was unconditional yeah. love. It was like... This is a broken little vessel that mm-hmm. God has given me to take care of. I'm like, what? So um, we were in uh, the Nick U yeah. um, for 10 days, and um, God placed amazing people in there. Normally in the NICU, they move the nurse every day because they don't want them to get too attached to the babies. Mm. And there happened to be a, a drug addict girl who had had several babies, and she had just had a set of twins and just left them. And so the grandmother had come to the hospital and asked the hospital to allow one nurse to work in that pod so these babies could connect to somebody. Oh, my goodness. And um, that happened to be Sandy Hoffman. And um, the day we found out, because at that time, it took, like, days to figure out if for the test for Down syndrome. And so six days in, they came in and they said, your baby for sure has Down syndrome. And so Tom, I can't remember why I was standing there by myself. Tom had walked out of the room, I think, and I am just inconsolable. 
And um, Sandy comes in, and she sits down with me, and she says, can I tell you a story? And I said, sure. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, I had a little boy, and he always had learning difficulties. And she said, you know, he didn't have Down syndrome, but he, he just was a little slower. And she said when he got into high school, he came to me in uh, his last year of school, and he said, they want me to go to trade school. And he goes, I don't want to go to trade school. And she goes, what do you want to do? And he said, I want to go to college. And she goes, then you will. And she said, and we studied, and we studied, and we studied. And she goes, do you know what my son does now? And I said, no. And she goes, he teaches special needs at blah, blah, blah school. And she said, and when the little kids come to him and say, Mr. Hoffman, you don't understand. He goes, oh, but I do. Oh, wow. And um, so that gave me some hope. Yeah. You know, and she said, you know, Terry, you'll be the only person that ever puts limitations on this child. And so I learned very early on, I never tell Gage no. Yeah. I'll say, you know, look it up or let's investigate it or whatever yeah. because, you know. Wow. I'm, I just don't put limits on him. He can do whatever he wants to do. This wisdom stayed with Terry through all of the confusion that came with raising Gage along with Jake and now another little girl, the daughter of Terry's struggling cousin. My oldest cousin had uh, three kids, and she was struggling with drug and alcohol addiction and all kinds of stuff. And she called me up one day and said, "Um, will you take one of my girls? And I was like, well, I'll need to talk to my husband, and he's never met you or any of my people, Mm so I, I don't know. So we ended up, we had Jake, and then we adopted, or not adopted, but we took in Lacey. Mm -hmm. And um, that was a whole emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. for all of us, mostly for Lacey. Um, but Lacey lived with us for almost two years. Welcoming Lacey into their home was a no-brainer. But parenting three children while navigating the challenges of caring for Gage was no holiday. The toughest part for Terry and Tom turned out to be learning to lean on each other. Well, <laughs> since Gage was born with no anal opening, um... We had colostomy, changing mm. of colostomies. Then we um, had to, Gage had to have open heart surgery. He had to have um, surgery where they tried to attach his sphincter muscle to mm-hmm. his um, angle opening, mm-hmm. which was not non-existent. And so there was a whole lot of stuff behind the scenes on that, physical therapy and stuff. Um there's a whole lot of anger and frustration and um, that we take out on each other on a daily mm. basis. Um, you know, our deal was always from day one, we would never use the D word. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would try not to fight in front of our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, we can disagree, but there's no screaming, yelling, whatever. Right. So that was always our deal. Um because, you know, I'm on my third marriage. I'm right. done after this. I'm right. not going right. this again. And he's on his second one. So we had already decided we're not, we're, right. you know, we're not, not going to give up easy on this and we're not going to use the D word. So, uh, but I have to tell you, frustrations were very high a yeah. lot with all the health stuff. Um, Lacey's, um, unfortunately, Lacey's mother was not in a healthy state of mind mm-hmm. and so she kept Lacey upset and oh. um so there was always 
stuff, which she never, ever talked to me and my husband the whole time we had her child. A lot of conflict. Uh, us trying to figure out what was the best thing. And then, of course, we only had temporary custody, so we couldn't do a whole lot. Yeah. And uh, she wouldn't give us full custody. And so it kept Lacey strung out and messed up. And um, so two years in, Lacey goes home to see her mother for her birthday, and she decides not to come back. Mm. And uh, so that's the day the mom decided to call me to tell me that we've been terrible parents and that Lacey doesn't want to be with us anymore. And, oh, wow. Um, so that was... I'm used to my side of the, that side of the family uh-huh. and that kind of stuff. So it was not, it was not a huge shock to me for her to say those things right. because when, oh, I won't even go into that. It was not a huge shock for me. Yeah. It hurt Tom deeply. Yeah. Because Tom had given his all. Right. And, um, I mean, he, he gave 110% and this kid walked away. And of course at that time she's 13. And, you know, that's a hard age anyway. Yeah. She walked away, and she just, her she wants her mama. And we had talked to CPS because mm-hmm. we had had one of her other children at another time. Um, CPS says they just want to be with their parents. They'll do anything mm. to be with their parents. She said, you know, the CPS worker said, I've seen them beat them, do horrible things to them, yeah. and they'll do anything to get back to them. So mm. she's like, don't, you know, don't take that personal. Right. It's hard not to. Right. right. So anyway, we had that. Um, On top of all that, now Terry had seen a lot, but this season was bringing all kinds of chaos that was wearing her thin. Tom, on the other hand, seemed to have this unshakable faith through it all. And Terry was realizing that she didn't have whatever that was. Tom was a a strong believer. Mm -hmm. I I thought I was. I thought I, I thought I... I thought I had a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't realize is a relationship is more of a two-way street. And right. I was just always asking for some kind of genie in the bottle thing. I just always yes. wanted what he could do for me. And then when he didn't do, I would be upset. <clears throat> right. And I was like, what kind of God is that that doesn't, you know, mm. give me that job or right. let me have that truck or, you know, right. whatever it is I need. And so um, I stayed angry at God a lot. And then when things weren't going well in the marriage, then I was like really mad at God. And um, so, and we were still going to church regularly, mm-hmm. involved in a class, the whole thing. And um, But I'm still, honestly, I'm just manipulating God's what I'm doing. I'm just oh. trying to, you know, get him to, to do things my way. Well, thank God the world does not run by terror. <laughs> but anyway, um, I'm sitting in church one I guess it was night because we had started going Saturday night, sitting in church one night, and I don't remember the sermon or anything, but it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, I am not saved. I do not know wow. Jesus. And so I had been baptized when I was like 10 or 11, right. probably 11 or 12 maybe. Anyway, um, so I went. I'm walking out of church, and I run into Pastor Steve's mother, mm-hmm. and I pulled her to the side, and I said, okay, I don't think I'm a believer. And she's like, well, Terry, let's talk about this. And I said, okay. So we talked. And I said, I've already been baptized. I can't get baptized again. And she said, do you know I've been baptized twice? And I was like, the pastor's <laughs> mother? So that kind of gave me an okay, like, wow, you're not crazy, you know. So that was a huge 
change for me. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was it's life changing. In the beginning, it was so like God had placed a lot of really cool ladies in my mm-hmm. um, Bible study that I was going to, and people that had a lot of grace for me mm-hmm. and a lot of mercy for me. Um, gosh, the bird songs and the mm-hmm. uh, the Tices and um, I mean, there were just a lot of core pe- the Comires. There were a lot of core people in that original group that we got into that just walked along beside us and loved on wow. us and prayed for us. And um, and they knew our inner inner craziness. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank God, like, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't want to go to church because I thought everybody was that perfect little Pollyanna. Yes. Blech. No. Yeah. I, I didn't want that. Mm-mm. Like, that was not how I was raised. And first of all, I knew they would never accept me for who I was and mm-hmm. how I was raised. And so... To me, because they wouldn't, I figured Jesus and God were that way, too. That, wow. like, why would they want me if these ladies are not even going to accept me? Wow. And um, so when I met these other ladies, I was like, oh, my God, they're like me. You know, mm-hmm. small-town girls um, screwed up mm-hmm. and found Jesus. And and you think you found Jesus and everything gets great. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Like, you it's just now I have somewhere to turn yes. and some uh, someone that's on my side all the time, whether you can see yes. him or not, you can't see him. So you, you just have to trust. And, um, <clears throat> and the years have just shown me that, you know, if I just trust in him, that it all works out for what's best. It's just that waiting the mm-hmm. waiting is the hard part. It's like the waiting on gauges, all gauges, health yes. problems. The waiting on, um, is Lacey ever going to speak to me again? Um, mm-hmm. You know, the waiting on, um, you know, the uncle that molested you, is that ever going to be rectified? Um, mm-hmm. The waiting on, is Tom ever going to get better? She had finally found Tom's secret. The word kava is the Hebrew word for wait. It's like things are being woven together. And as we wait to see what the outcome is, we trust and hope that it's going to be good. And Terry lived that out. And the best part was now she could live in that peace with a group she would never have dreamed of. You know, the first three years we went to Lake Point, we just went to church. Yeah. And we didn't go to a small group, and we would just sit in the big church, and then we'd leave. Mm-hmm. And we'd sit in the big church, and we'd leave. Yeah. And um, we didn't know anybody. And mm. so when Gage was born, they walked in, tell us he's got Down syndrome. I'm sobbing. I told Tom, I said, you need to call the church. And he said, for what? I said, I don't know, but my mamaw always called the church when something was wrong. And I know that's what you're supposed to do. And that was exactly what I said. And he goes, well, you call then. And I said, okay. So I called the church Uh and the sweet lady answers the phone. And I said, (laughs) and she goes, are you okay? And And she goes, where are you? And I said, I'm at Baylor. And she said, tell me what's going on. And I finally got it all out. Uh And I told her, and she goes, I'm going to send somebody over there first thing in the morning. And I said, okay. And here comes Mr. Gordon. Uh Mr. Gordon? Yes, yes. I know exactly. Gordon Thomas. Gordon Thomas. Mr. Gordon Thomas came. 
And he came every day we were in the hospital, and he would pray with us, and he would just love on that baby, and he would love on Tom, and oh my God, what a great man he was. And um, that was my first picture of the church. So um, Gage was about six weeks old, and I said, ready to go back to church. I want to go to a small group. Mm. And we had just moved in from the small church to the big church in Rockwall. Okay. And so that was our first week yeah. back was in the big church. Yeah. We'd never been. And uh, so we got there. And um, no, I guess the first week was at the old church. It doesn't matter. But anyway, we got there. And the people in the nursery were the Stroops. Yes. The uh, yes. pastor's parents. And um, Gage had a colostomy bag. Mm-hmm. And she's like, give me that baby. And we were trying to explain to her. And she's yeah. like, give me that baby. I got the baby. Dave. Give me the baby. So anyway, Tom was terrified. Uh-huh. Uh, I was just ready for a break. And yes. so we hand over the baby and we go to church. And, you know, Tom was just worried sick through the whole deal. And yeah. we get there and Gage was perfectly fine. Yeah. Except his colostomy bag was that big. And yeah. so <laughs> she didn't know how to do that. No. But you know what? She knew how to love him. Yeah, and she knew how to change his diaper if he yeah. teed or whatever, yeah. and she knew how to feed him, and that's yeah. all we needed at that point, so we could go to church. Yes, and oh my gosh, that just opened doors for us that uh, we that I'd never dreamed. As the Hoover family spent more time with the church and its people, the light contrasted with darkness. Terry began to see that she had passed her pain and confusion on to Jake, who had grown up during some of the hardest parts of his mom's life. Being part of this church, however, meant that Terry could pass on her healing to Jake, too. Because I didn't raise my child in church, he had no—all he knew is, like, when something bad would happen, I would say, why does God let this happen? And Mm. so his only um, reference, point of reference, was mom thinking that everything bad is caused by God. So um, the first time we got there— um, we got there, and he's like, I'm not going in. I said, why not? He goes, God's in there. And I said, he is in there. And he goes, why? And that's good. He goes, I don't want to go in there. So Nell Strong yes. came out, and she's like, hey, buddy. And she sat down on the, on, the, on the stairs, and she said, do you have a puppy? And he started talking. And she said, tell mom and dad bye. They're going to go to church. And he sat there with her. And I'm telling you, every week he couldn't wait to get there. Three years went by and the Hoovers welcomed a new member of their family. They asked me when I was pregnant if I wanted to do a test to find out if he had Down syndrome so I could be prepared. And I just busted out laughing. I was like, how do you get prepared for that? Even after I've had one, I don't think I could get prepared for another one. And I said, besides... Whatever happens is what God's got in store for me. I'm wow. fine. And uh, Eli comes along, and he's perfectly perfect. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with him until he gets to the first grade, and he's so ADHD, he can't sit down. He's all over the place. And so, you know, uh, that was just, a, that was always just our struggle with him. It's just yeah. the ADHD and just the impulsiveness and, yeah. the, you know. Yeah. But he's big fun. and. After three years of doing life with kind people, working on a healthy marriage, and learning how to find a new rhythm, the home that Eli was born into was a home of stability. It wasn't perfect, but it was safe. 
what I viewed that as when I was growing up was right. like some kind of Pollyanna, right? Uh, right. Leave it to Beaver kind right. of house. That's not how our house ran. It right. was like you're running out the door. Oh my God, I forgot your lunch. What do you mean you forgot your lunch? And that, yeah. you know, it's like get in the car. Where's your shoes? Why are you doing that? And then I, so um, it's real. It's real. It's real life. Yeah. In color. Yes. In living color. In living color. So. I wouldn't call it like a Barbie Christian. No, but but you have a stability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have a support group. That's the bigger thing for us. You know, um, when things go wrong or you can't get to the school or whatever, you call, Karen, can you pick up my kids? You know, thank thank God for the support system through the church. There's just no telling what life's going to bring. You think marriage is going to be awful, then your husband ends up being wonderful. You think birthing a second child is going to be a breeze. And it brings along difficulties. You think church people are too perfect for you, but instead they're the perfect kind of love and care that will get you through the insanity of life. You know, I think in dark times you have those kind of thoughts, but for the most part, you just get up every day and go and do okay. what you got to do. I don't, I don't sit around and dwell on it. When I tell, when I tell people my story, then they're like, "Oh my gosh, how does all that <laughs> stuff happen to one person?" And these are just like the highlights. I mean, I got a lot of low lights <laughs> that I can share, but um, you know, I don't think about that. I just, I just get up every day and put one foot in front of the other and yeah. do what I got to do. And yeah, I don't have time. If you really sat down and thought about, I mean, just yeah. anybody, not just me, but just anybody sits down and if you put so much thought into all the things that happened to you, good God, how'd you even get out of bed today? Terry now had a dream team that would stay by her side through the hardest chapter yet, one that would make her question everything she knew. Thank you for listening to this episode of Kaval the Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and that you will subscribe Download and share this on your social media pages and with your family and friends. If you find yourself in a desperate place, it is our desire that you would be able to borrow hope from those who've gone before you and shared their stories. They have exemplified the meaning of Kava, learning to wait during difficult times to find an eventual positive outcome. I can't express my gratitude for my head writer, Rebecca Gray, and audio engineer, Meredith Douglas. I would not be able to do this without you. For more information, please visit kavathepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.